The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon PC, and Elemental Altitude Training Center. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor and I'm a father of twin boys. Today we have for you a race report podcast, another race report podcast that I'm excited to share with you. 
One of our listeners, James Aldridge, came onto the podcast and talked to us about his experience at the Boston Marathon. Now, you'll recall how it is that we do these race report podcasts. James talked to me and to Eric uh, just before he went off to Boston about his expectations, about his training, about his goals, and all that sort of thing. And then after he had run the Boston Marathon, about eight days later, we circled back around with him to hear about how it went and what his experience was like and whether he reached all those goals. Of course, we talked to him about what's next as well, but as you'll hear James say, he doesn't quite know what's next yet, and that's good. I'm excited to share this with you. James had some interesting things to say, so let's get to it. James Aldridge, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks, George. I am happy to be here with you and with your coach, who happens to be my co-host, Eric Hall. Eric, good to see you again, man. Good to see you too, George. Now, James has agreed to come on to the podcast here and talk about this obscure marathon that he's running next week called the Boston Marathon. Uh, James, you ready to roll? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool, man. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, talking to us. Uh, we'll hear a little bit about uh, your preparation for the race, of course, here. Um, and then we'll circle back around with you after the race to hear, of course, how it went. And so we'll look forward to that, too. Um, James, tell us, is this your first time ever doing the Boston Marathon? No, this will be my my second. So I did it uh, last year. Um, had a, a pretty good, uh, good showing, but I'm kind of looking forward to going back and maybe improving on some things I learned from that, that first go around. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like what? Um, so the, the scope of it was unlike anything I'd, I'd experienced before. So probably the biggest marathon I'd run prior to that was Richmond's, mm -hmm. which is a decent sized race. But, um, I think I told Eric after the race last year, I had not ever been in a position where I was essentially shoulder to shoulder with other runners for the entire length of the race, just yeah. about. Uh, I think I ended up finishing, it was like a 26.6 or something from all the weaving around and you know, like trying to get around folks, letting folks around me and that sort of thing. So um, maybe picking a smarter line this year and cutting out like a half mile might be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, the Athletes Village experience was interesting too, that pre-race kind of just sitting around waiting because um, I was in wave one and so one of the early buses to get there but there's kind of just some hanging around and mm -hmm. a fairly long walk to the start line that I hadn't anticipated um the start itself because of the crowd was a lot slower mm -hmm. um and I've normally got those like you know pre-race jitters and you know fire off the start line and that's impossible yeah. <laughs> to do. uh so things like that uh and, and things like bringing sunscreen if the weather uh allows for it and having something to sit on in athletes village so my butt doesn't get wet mm -hmm. <laughs> before I start running little things like that that I, I think I'll it'll be I'll, I'll just be more familiar and it won't be brand new every 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 step of the way yeah and I think that's that's a logistical change certainly like bringing stuff literally yeah. um and and knowing you know how far you're going to walk and and preparing all those sorts of things but also I, I feel like that's a mental shift too right um just you're not going to be panicking when you're walking for an extra three minutes more than you thought you were right Right. That and just kind of knowing, I guess, course familiarity is too, as well, right? Like knowing kind of what's coming and, and where uh, where certain things are. I, I, what got me last year was after the Newton Hills on the on the on the map, it looks like it's pretty much a downhill finish until the end. But there are mm -hmm. some little rollers yeah. right there toward the end that I 
just was not prepared for. And they, they felt like mountains to me. Like I, mm-hmm. I was, I was really on fumes at that, at that point mm-hmm. and just mentally not know, not expecting that. Mm-hmm. I think it took, it took a couple of steps off of uh, my pace just because I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Why am I going uphill at all anymore? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think there, it's definitely a, a I think some mental shifts that'll that'll be different. Very good. Very good. Let's talk a little bit about your training then. Has your training changed? And we can kind of bring Eric in to talk about training too. Did you did you do anything differently in the buildup to Boston this year than what you did last year? Yeah, I, I don't know that it's and Eric, maybe maybe you have done some things a little more strategically. I think mileage is probably up over what we did last year in terms of weekly mileage. Um Prior to last year, uh, there's a, a trail race, the Uari um, Mountain Run in um, in North Carolina. There's an eight, a twenty, and a forty miler. It's in early February, which I know is kind of far out, but still, um, I, I did the forty miler last year before the race, and so I, I took a little bit of time to recover after that. Sure. I did the twenty this year, and so recovery was a lot shorter. Um, so I feel like I've been a little bit more focused on the build. Um, I ran a half marathon. It was two weeks ago, I think, three weeks ago um, as kind of a tune-up race. I didn't do that last year. And so it'll be interesting to see if if that, um, what impact, if any, that has. But definitely the mileage is up. Um, And also, I think, um, more consistent weight weight training. I've been going to the gym uh, once a week and kind of doing some heavy um, deadlifts and squats to try to um, just build some resi- resilience and resistance in the, in the legs. Very good. Very good. I think you've also had less little niggling injuries coming into this. Yeah. I can't remember the last time we backed off your training for an injury, you know, in this build and maybe, you know, a good portion of that is running a 20 miler in URI instead of a 40 miler. Yeah. <laughs> seems think, a little more that- appropriate. <laughs> I think that you know, I do think the the weight room work and being consistent yep. with that has has definitely helped with that with that being able to be consistent with with the training. And and that's and that's critical, right? I mean, that's the the golden rule of endurance sports is that consistency is king. Yeah. Um, and so, not having to back off for the forty miler, or for not having to recover as much from the forty miler, not having any sort of injury that kind of knocks you off just a little bit. I mean, all that stuff adds up, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I also think that the, the the half marathon, having a half marathon race in there, can be a, a really good physiological and mental boost. And that one, I seem to remember Eric telling us about it that it went pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, it was. I was not planning on running it um, my wife actually was registered and she got injured and so we transferred her bed um, and it was the same course um, they do a half and a full it's called the tobacco road oh yeah marathon, half marathon mm-hmm. um, it was where I got my BQ um, before Boston last year mm-hmm. um, super flat like old railway greenway um, and in carry and yeah, it was one of those, like, the morning was cold, low humidity, uh, and so I was just kind of went out at a decent pace to see how it went, and after about 10 miles, I was like, you know what, let me just, let me see, see what I can finish this thing in, um, so I ended up getting under 120, which was, and by, like, two seconds, it's like a 119.58, but 
that, it's, that a, kinda, it's a pass fail situation, James. Under yeah, 120 yeah. or over 120. There you go. And that, that's been one I had kind of had my eye on for a couple of years. I've been close to it before, hadn't cool. gotten there. Um, so yeah, that felt good. It felt like yeah. I, you know, I had some pop and also didn't feel totally wasted after it. It didn't feel like I kind of sold out um on that on that race. So yeah. Yeah, which helped you in turn to continue to keep things consistent over the course of the following week and everything else like that. So, yeah, very good. I mean, again, I think having a, a really good half marathon performance gives you a physiological boost for sure, um, but 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 also gives you a mental boost too. going going into the race and knowing that your training has been what it is that you wanted it to be. So yeah. very cool. Very cool. Very good. Um, let's talk a little bit about the weather. I I I. Don't know if you've been obsessively checking the weather, but have you been obsessively checking the weather? <laughs> I started obsessing about two days ago when okay. we actually started getting some forecasts. <laughs> yeah, we should say, so we're recording this. It's Tuesday before Boston is going to be on Monday. So this is Tuesday 11th and, and Boston is going to be on Monday the 17th. Um, and so we're about six days out here. Um, what's the weather look like? Yep, so currently uh, it is... Uh, it's scheduled to feature a brisk westerly wind with gusts okay. up to 25 miles an, uh, an hour, uh, 58% chance of rain, and then temperature at 45 degrees at the start. Okay. Um, they're calling for a cold front to roll in either Sunday or Monday. So that could be, depending on what side of the cold front and when mm -hmm. and how quickly it moves through, uh, it could be, because uh, they're in a kind of a, a heat wave, I think, right now. I think that there's a mm -hmm. record high forecast for Friday. Yeah. Um, so we'll see okay i do not know i I, okay. uh, I need to ask michelle what i should pack in terms of clothes <laughs> <laughs> she will she will happily tell you and and the short answer is everything uh -huh. um but but yeah we were talking before we came on that the weather at boston really does vary from year to year um at chicago the weather tends to be good but every now and then you have a, a year that's not great uh the weather at new york tends to be good but every year or every so now and then you have one that's not so great the weather at boston you just really never know and this year like you just said we won't actually know until like the day before, yeah, day before. Yeah. so very good. Very good. Um, what, what shoes are you going to wear? I am planning on the Endorphin Pro 3s. Um, I've only run a, a, a little bit in them. I did the half in those. Uh, they are very different from the Pro 2s. Uh, I, I wore the Pro 2s last year and um, a little more cushion in those. Uh, it doesn't have, I don't notice the pop quite as much in the 3s okay. versus the 2s. But I do like the stack height being a little bit higher up, and um, they're super they're super light. Mm -hmm. um, they've really cut a lot uh, out of that shoe, even from what was already I think a pretty light shoe. And then I don't know, it just seems to fit my foot a little bit better. The some of those endorphins, there's like a an overlay that rubs in a weird spot, you know, and mm -hmm. it doesn't have it on these on these mm -hmm. threes. So mm -hmm. that's the plan. Very good. Good plan. What'd you wear last year? You wear the twos last year? Yeah, the twos last year. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, and so, yeah, that'll be a good test for him. But I mean, yet another reason why it's good that you ran that half marathon race is, is you got to test your shoes, right? Um, exactly. A good, solid, real test of, of the shoes you're going to be wearing on, on race day. Awesome. Is your, is your fan club traveling with you this year? Because I got, I got, you know, updates live updates last year and pictures so so what's what's the plan for this year 
yeah the, the the fan club fam is is traveling with with me so <laughs> my wife, wife christy uh is coming and then uh, our two kids katie and fletcher um they i think really enjoyed last year they i think they had a blast i asked them i wasn't necessarily going to run it again this year um i enjoyed it but i felt a little bit guilty dragging them with me <laughs> and i asked them if you guys want to go back to boston they're like heck yeah let's go and cool. so that was that was encouraging um but it was cool i actually got to see them on course last year i wasn't sure if i was i'd be able to do that mm-hmm. um and and that was a, that was a good pick me up and it was right right after the newton hills so mm-hmm. it's kind of a good like all right like gotta gotta finish strong here Mm-hmm. seeing yeah, my family now i can run hard so very good right. very exactly. good exactly. Um, awesome and you you said you're leaving on saturday right um, yeah. do you have any plans in and around boston since you're going to have your your fan club with you there yeah we got um we're going to go see a, a red sox game we're actually staying in a hotel pretty close to penway so we're looking forward to that and um last year we stayed kind of by the harbor area and to the aquarium and harbor tour and that sort of thing so we're just I think I'm going to just check out a different, different part of the city and um, see what kind of trouble I can keep my kids out of. <laughs> so Very cool. full, full disclosure, I, I work with James's wife, Christy. Mm-hmm. And so I had a conversation with her the middle of last week. I don't know if James is aware of this, but I said, I said, Christy, the, the taper is starting. And I said, so... James is going to be a little ornery. He's going to complain that he's probably not training enough. And then some phantom injury is going to come up and he's going to start telling you, I'm, I'm either worried about this or this or that or the other. And she's just kind of looked at me like, okay, I got she's a text. From, she, she's familiar with week. taper crazies. She knows. I, well, I got a text uh, early this week or late last week. I was on Friday. His legs feel heavy, his eyes hurt, and he thinks he has an ear infection. His <laughs> eyes hurt. Yeah, exactly. So, but but how are you feeling now? Like, what, you're in the middle of the taper. How are you feeling? Now, I gave you a little more running this week, I think, to keep you from going crazy, but yeah, how are you which, feeling? Which I'm not necessarily following. I think this is the, the first week I haven't been. George, I'm a very good student, okay? Mm-hmm. Like you give me an assignment, I'm gonna complete it. I think Eric, if anything, will attest to that. All right. Yep. This is the first week, week before the race, where I'm like, oh, he said rest on Monday. I'm gonna run 45 minutes. He said run an hour today. I'm gonna run 45 minutes. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, feeling, feeling good. I, I do think you know because of the the taper. I don't know. I think this is probably typical for me. I don't feel like I have that pop sometimes that I, mm-hmm. I would like to feel, um, but. Yeah, just like allergy stuff, all that phantom, like, you know, your season, nose is running, ear feels full, whatever. Um, it, I think you're right. It's, it's probably phantom stuff, but um, it is strange how that happens to your body on a taper. Like, it seems to happen every time for me, and I don't get it, but it's consistent. It, I, I think it happens every time for everybody. Um, and, and to me, the question is, and, and so far as I know, science has not settled this. Um, to me, the question is how much of that is real and how much of that is psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't maybe set that up as the duality because psychosomatic is real. Um, but but what degree of that is in your mind or comes from from the nervousness and that you have around the race? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think but... there's a hypersensitivity, mm-hmm. right? Because Absolutely. you have this big event coming up and you're thinking, 
man, everything's got to be perfect. Right. Which, which isn't true. You know, you can, you can go in with a little niggle or something and still have a good race. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is we're, we're trained for a certain routine and that routine requires that we warm up our muscles, we move. And when we're not doing that as much or enough, I guess, for our bodies, especially at our age, George, James is significantly younger than we are. Um, <laughs> things, things start to tighten up a little bit and some injury you didn't even know you have because every day you're warming it up and running, you know, stretching it out and running it, it doesn't hurt. And then all of a sudden that manifests itself in a real pain somewhere. I agree. I, I think there's, there's that hypersensitivity and then some real injuries maybe that you don't know you have yet that come up and, they, they, but then they seem way more than they are. I agree. I agree. Uh, James, you mentioned you're a good student. Um, and that made me think about uh, your professional life. Um, you're a school principal, right? That's correct. I am. And so, so yeah. very good. Elementary school principal. Perfect. And, and I know you're leaving on Saturday and I am 100% sure that that is because you have to be at school all day on Friday, <laughs> right? You're trying to minimize the number of school days that you miss here. Um, but what I'm wondering is, is there going to be like a send off on Friday for, you know, Mr. Aldridge is going to run the Boston Marathon. Yay. <laughs> is there a pep no, rally for you at your school? I don't, I don't think that's in the, in the plans. I've kind of kept <laughs> a little more on the on the DL uh, you know last year was my first time and I, I, I talked it up a little bit um, and the kids were excited I, I felt like to do that again this year maybe a little self-aggrandizing <laughs> um, so I haven't yeah I, I'm not lying about where I'm going if people ask but I'm not also like you know check me out here's my bed number guys like like the, <laughs> the, the the annual dr aldridge send off to the boston yeah. marathon party like exactly. yeah. eventually going to become a, an official school holiday built into the school board's calendar <laughs> yeah, just, just like, yeah, george james is a point and shoot athlete mm-hmm. um, I, I could tell james in the taper tomorrow to go run 16 miles, uh, four miles easy, four miles hard, four miles easy, four miles hard. And I would look at Strava and he would run four miles at an eight minute pace. And then exactly. And then he would ramp it up and he'd run four miles at 620 pace. And then he would go back to eight minute pace. And then he would go to 620 pace. If I said run 622s, he would run 622s. And that's awesome. Really it's making awesome. you earn your money, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about what James pays me for this. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I don't expect that Eric is going to put that on your schedule here, James, but if he does, don't do it. Yeah, I think I might, I think I might ask a question. It would be something like, uh, can you clarify the purpose of this? Right, right. exactly. Exactly <laughs> the question you should ask. The problem with that is, here's the problem. I can't blame him for anything right? He's doing exactly what I tell him to do. So if things don't work out, I'm sitting there going, man, I don't even, gosh, I don't know. What, just, you know, hey, it just, you just might, it must be mental, James, because it obviously isn't yeah, physical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, clearly having your kids with you, they must have kept you awake the night before or something exactly else. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. else. Maybe you stood up too much at the baseball game. Yeah, yeah. No, there was nothing did we did, did during the training so, Did you walk yeah. to the race? You're supposed to use a wheelchair. Come on, man. The other thing that Eric though is, and I don't know if it's happened on this field, but sometimes I'll do that to the detriment, right? Like it says, 
eight miles on the schedule and I've had an absolutely exhausting day or whatever and, and probably should go six or maybe even take an unscheduled rest day. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like that's not something that I do on a regular basis. I, I don't know that my approach is necessarily always the most effective one. I think it it, it is good for consistency. Um, but I also think sometimes there I, I need to be a little bit smarter about modifying in the moment if I need to. Right. Um, that's probably not something I've gotten really good at. So I, I, I also got to give you something to, to blame and point out. If things don't there you go. Well. There you go. It's my uh, fault for right? not communicating well enough with you. So, so <laughs> way to throw your coach a bone there, James. Appreciate that. Um, you know, it's interesting. Alan Cousins, kind of famed endurance coach, Alan Cousins, recently tweeted um, that you can take days off or take rest days based on a schedule, or you can take them based upon when your body tells you that you need them, but you can't do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think he's right about that. Um, and so. So did you necessarily have the optimum recovery um, throughout the course of this training build? Not necessarily, uh, because there might have been a few times when you would have been better taking a day off because you had so much stress in your work day. Um, but still, I, I trust that Eric probably scheduled the recovery days mm-hmm. at, at a regular enough and a thoughtful enough interval that that you still were able to recover adequately in order to keep your training at a high Except level. for the fact that I told him to rest on Monday and he ran. <laughs> with that exception, with that exception. Well, that ruined the whole thing. I, I don't yeah, plans the <laughs> All right. We're going to ask you a few would you rather questions here in just a minute. Um, I'm going to ask you two. Eric is going to ask you one. Um, yeah. But uh, but before we do that, what are your goals, James? You know, I, that's a great question. And I, I don't have a, like a hard and fast goal right now for for this race i mean i you know if if you ask me a time i think like breaking that like maybe 255 would be would be nice um and that would be a a pr um i think it could be in the cards if the weather cooperates but i also don't want to kind of ride or die on that with with how this course works And, and it being the second go around i think um enjoying it and enjoying the race and, and having a good time with it um, and kind of soaking it in and, and not focusing so much on, um, on, on a time. I think that's important. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to win. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I heard there are a couple of really strong. I was going to say runners. The, the greatest marathoner of all time is showing up. So yeah, that's a so tall like, order for everybody. But, you know, <laughs> if, if that's not your goal, why are you running? Right. If you're not <laughs> Um, point taken, you know, point like, taken. Yeah, if I had if I had to put a, a time on it, like the, the 255 would be great, but I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be crushed or, or disappointed um as long as I feel like I ran a good race and enjoyed it. Um, and, and and I think that's fine. I think there's something to be said for qualitative goals, right? Mm-hmm. Um there's something to be said for saying that that well, I, I don't know exactly what the goal is, but I'll know if I accomplish it when I cross the finish line, you know. Yeah. And I, in contrast to that, the first marathon I ran was was Richmond, and I had an A goal of of breaking three, and I finished in three hours and two seconds. Hmm. And I ran a really good first marathon for me, hmm. but I still had that like that ate at me for a while, and it motivated me. But I'm not sure how like how healthy that motivation was. Sure. Um, so I, I've I've learned to kind of temper that uh a little bit but um we'll also that, convinced him, that convinced james to start talking to me yeah that was, that's right 
post Richmond 302. <laughs> 30002. <laughs> Very good. I, I feel like there's a theme developing of things always work out for Eric when it comes to James. Um, <laughs> no. All right. I'll ask you a would you rather question. Eric's going to ask you one. I'll ask you a last one. You ready, James? These are this is a high stakes operation here. Unscripted. Unscripted. Would you rather, James, experience wind or rain? You might get both, but if you could choose, which would it be? Rain. Rain all day. Yeah. The wind drives me crazy. It, it especially when it's not consistent, those mm -hmm. gusts and things. Uh, I'm okay with the wet. The 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 wind is I don't know why it's frustrating. <laughs> like that's the word I would use. Mm -hmm. I feel that way. I, I feel like I feel like the wind um it robs me of my ability to reach my potential, mm -hmm. for lack of a better way of saying it. I feel like no matter how hard you've worked, the wind is just gonna stop you. Like there's no beating the wind. You know, it feels like something is working against you, like actively working against you. It is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Having yeah. having watched Grace during the uh, her relay team's race on the uh, Blackbeard's Revenge, and and I actually ran about two miles with her in this uh, the tunnel of hell is what I would call it because it's sand berms on both sides, a straight road that you can see for two miles, mm -hmm. and the wind is blowing in her face at twenty five to thirty miles per hour with gusts to thirty five. That is the most frustrating experience in the world. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> she 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 knows she can run seven twenties or faster, and she's running eight fifteen, mm -hmm. and she's not she's she's working just as hard as she'd have to to, to run those seven twenties. Mm -hmm. So, but I guess I, the the one thing there is I, I must be a glass half full guy because when he said wind or rain, I was going to say wind at my back. Mm -hmm. I. <laughs> <laughs> which which is a possibility i mean the course record at boston was run with a tailwind yeah it's it, guy ran 203 with the tailwind you know so so it is a possibility at boston for yeah. sure for sure I'll take that i'll take it eric so james you mentioned you know you felt like you ran a good race at richmond and you came across the line you felt good about it you did run a three hour and two second race so, and then I think you mentioned, you know, 255 would be a goal for, uh, that's that's a high goal, I think, is what you were saying for, for right. Monday. Yeah, for this course, for sure. So let's say, would you rather run, you know, a, a 256 and feel like you gave it your all, or would you rather run a, a 254, puke all over yourself at the finish line and not be able to walk? Is that not giving it your all? <laughs> Yeah. How, how long <laughs> am I in, unable to walk? Are we um, Christy, Christy and the kids will find you before you are able to actually walk, like in the in the uh, recovery tent. In I feel like that's giving it your all. Yeah, that's that's really I, I think that would be man. OK, mm. <laughs> look, okay, George, so, so, I know my runner, George. Look no, at so what, what, what I was going to say is, would you rather run 256 and feel like you ran your absolute best? Or would you rather run 254.59 and still feel like you had something in the tank and then you kind of wimped out? Yeah, see that with, with George's <laughs> question, I would say I'd, I'd rather feel like I ran my best race because mm. uh, I and I have not finished a race where I felt like I've had much in the tank, which is which is uh, good. Kind of. I, it makes me wonder if I got something wrong, though, okay. at the same time, right? Like, I'm, I'm like, 
not it's not a sprint finish kind of situation mm -hmm. um and i'm reading that book indoor right now and it's about pushing those lines and yeah. boundaries and probably not a good time to be mm -hmm. reading all about that stuff but uh back to your question eric what threw me is when you brought in the family right like if it's if it's just about me like I, I'm fine being kind of just a mess at the finish line. I don't have a ton of pride when it comes to that kind of thing, but I wouldn't want my kids or, or Christy to see me in like a, a state where they would be upset that I look <laughs> like ill <laughs> or, or like I'm dying or something. Uh, so I don't know if that's like a cop-out answer. I don't know if I even answered the question. No, it's a great answer. You don't have to answer. You choose the answer here, like how you answer it. So I, I like that. I, th I think what you're saying is you want a nice, solid race that you can walk after. Yeah, yeah. And if that ends up being a 254, awesome. Exactly. I think that sounds like a good goal. I think that yeah. sounds like a good goal. Very good. All right. Last one. My would you rather. Would you rather get chafed so badly that you have to go to the medical tent where you get to meet Elliot Kipchoge mm. <laughs> or <laughs> actually that's the end of the question I don't know a way to set it up as a would you rather would it be worth not it? a would you rather <laughs> it's not a whether would, would you be willing to get chafed so badly that you have to go to the medical tent if it meant you got to meet Elliot Kipchoge there is he also chafed yeah he's just there like like trying to bolster the people who who had to endure pain when running you know a roughly 255 marathon i i hate getting chafed <laughs> I, really, I really do i i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's a great story to share with others george i think i might I think I might just take the the clean the clean legs and, All right. and, and buy a poster. All right, and buy a poster. You, Very good, George. I thought your question sucked, but I love James' answer. <laughs> the, it's it's a good scenario. It wasn't a good presentation, um, but. James will not do that come Monday. James, I, I'm excited about your race, and I, I wish you the best of luck, and I hope everything goes well, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Here we are back with James Aldridge post-Boston Marathon this time. It's been eight days, James. You finished. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and more than that, tell us how you did. Yeah, it was a, it was a good race. So, um, like, final finishing time, I think it was 2.53.37. Awesome. Um, so, uh, kind of below any kind of time goal that I had but um I think even more than that um finished really strong uh negative split which was um like exciting to do especially on that course and uh had a had a good like fast last mile which is always kind of encouraging as well mm -hmm. that, that doesn't happen all the time so yeah it was a good it was a good one very cool very cool yeah you had said that your goal was to have a good race um, mm -hmm. but if you were going to put a time on it, you wanted to be under 255 and you ran 253.37. So well under 255. Excellent. And that is a PR for you, right? That's correct. Yes, sir. Very cool. Very cool. So you get to tell everybody your PRs from the Boston Marathon, which is right. a nice way to not only say what your PR is, but brag about the fact that you've run Boston a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so how much of a PR is it? Um, is that like a minute and a half, something like that, maybe a little, little shy of that. Is that right? 
Uh, I think I was like 255 yeah. something or 256 right on the nose at Richmond. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, Next it doesn't one. matter anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares what your second best time was? <laughs> hey, where did you where did you run that though? Uh, that was Richmond. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And that Very was Richmond this, this past November, actually. So fairly, fairly recent. Very cool. You're on an upswing, James. Awesome. Very cool. So, so take us through it. Um, you know, one of the biggest themes that you had told us about in the uh, the pre-race conversation was about the scope of the race. Um, that there were so many people, and the start was crowded, and you were shoulder to shoulder people the whole time, and there was this long wait and the the, the long walk to the start and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, so kind of take us through it from from the start of the day, like. How'd it go down? I mean, did you just feel better from the moment you got there or did you doubt whether you're going to run it? Just kind of take us through it. Yeah, no, so it was, um, well, I'll start with, with the weather, right? So that was one of True, the- True, yeah, we talked about the weather too, right? The <laughs> marks there. And so still even going into the day, like that morning, um, we kind of knew wind wasn't going to be much of a factor. It wasn't going to be a tailwind like was forecast at one point, but uh, that wasn't looking too bad. Basically, it was going to be like kind of spotty showers and and cool temps, which seemed and, and ended up being pretty favorable. Um, I was a little concerned, and I listened to you, um, you know, Michelle's kind of preview before, um, and Michelle's suggestion to take a, a separate pair of shoes to Athletes Village. It wasn't mm. that sloppy there, so I was good. Um, it wasn't necessary, but uh, in terms of like adjustments, right? So in Athletes Village, for example. Um, I was just, I felt a lot more calm this year. I just, you know, I, I had something uh, dry to sit on, just kind of chilled out for a little bit. It wasn't sort of that nervous energy uh, as as much as um, Boston for the first time. It was, um, it was still exciting. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't falling asleep, but uh, I, I wasn't pacing around and checking out what was going on all over the place. I was just kind of sitting and, and hanging out. Um and yeah, I, I knew there was going to be a walk, so I kept my like the space blanket and the poncho that I brought uh, pretty much on me until after the the anthem, and then took that off to stay as warm as we could during the start. Mm -hmm. um, Eric, you'll be disappointed. I did not wear the poncho for the first three miles this time. Yeah, this is a sticking point between James and I. One of the first marathons he ran that I was coaching him, uh, he ran the first three miles with a poncho on in the pouring rain. And yeah, I think he ran somewhere in the 630s those miles too, maybe sub 630. So a little, a little under the pace we were shooting for. <laughs> it, was, it was awkward. It was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, George, back to your question kind of about, I guess, adjustments. Uh, that first mile was still, again, super crowded. I don't have it in front of me, but I think I may have been even close to seven minutes that first mile. You were just under seven minutes. Yeah. Um, but same with the pack, it's just, you, there's really nowhere to go. I, I will say a guy running next to me had the same comment at about the same time, the sound of that many people and that close of a space yeah. on wet asphalt yeah. was incredible. We weren't yeah. all in sync, but it was just this, like, I don't want to say cacophony because that has a negative connotation, but it, it was, it was really, it was a powerful sound. It was a gallop almost. Yeah. Well, and particularly I would imagine because super shoes can sometimes sound so squishy and there's yeah. a lots of super shoes around you. Right. So that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it was, it was neat. It was interesting, but um, yeah. that was the same situation last year. The difference this year is I, I didn't panic. I didn't, mm -hmm. I think last year I kind of tried to make up that time in the next couple of miles because yeah. I was like, oh, these next two are going to be downhill and um, I need to really like make sure I'm, I'm using that to my advantage because I'm already 
30 seconds or 40, you know, whatever seconds behind pace right. here a mile in. Um, so I just, I was just kind of was like, you know what, I'll make it up at some point. And I kind of got back on the target pace um, around that. Like I was trying to hang between like 635, 640, basically the whole, the whole time. Um, and so I was just, I was a little bit. And you nailed that. that. Yeah. I, I you was, absolutely nailed that. And we talked about that in the pre-race. We said, you know, from a, and it might've been after we shut off the recording. Yeah. We shut off the recording. We just had a little, like, what are your thoughts pace wise? And, yeah. you know, we saw so the, the plan was executed just perfectly, James. When you look at your first, uh, what, 16 miles, you're right there between 630, uh, 635, 640, and you're just holding it. Yeah. I mean, the, the differential of those miles is so minimal. And it was that not slow, but reserved. I think mm -hmm. you probably, well, tell me, how did that feel? Did that feel like comfortable did that feel like stressful did it feel yeah no it felt comfortable uh and in fact and you can probably look at if my heart rate data was accurate I, I wasn't i wasn't really pressing those that really through the first half i would say um it was it, it felt comfortable and i was able to maintain um without a without a lot of effort but that was kind of knowing what my pace was last year really at, at a kind of a similar pace but a much right. more comfortable feeling pace the relative effort was was not the same which gave me some confidence that okay like i might not just blow up at the end this year um and i came through the half i think it was 127 31 so i was like well if i'm gonna hit 255 i'm gonna split <laughs> like that's that's just what's gonna happen at this point mm -hmm. um and uh so yeah, the, the first part of the race, I guess the other thing, uh, kind of a, a, another adjustment, um, I talked about kind of the race line and, and trying to yeah. get around people. Again, a little more patient this year. Uh, you know, if, if I got stuck behind somebody for a few steps, okay, I'll, 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 I'll just be here for a few seconds. I'm not gonna try to weave around a bunch of traffic to, to get ahead of this one person, that sort of thing. And I tried to be a little bit smarter about that, that line. I think I ended up coming in maybe a, a tenth of a mile, maybe a little bit more, at least on the GPS, less than last year's data showed, mm -hmm. which obviously same course, right? So I think I did shave off a little distance just by being smarter with that. Awesome. Um, Very cool. And then uh, the hills, I think that was another change this year. And I think, George, this may have been a conversation we, we had a little bit after um, we stopped recording last time, but um, I ran hard through them but i did not attack them like i did last year i was really yeah. kind of charging and um like really like trying to not trying to pass people but i noticed i was really passing people last year um and this year uh i, I was like you know, i want to keep up a pace and i want to start really working now but it wasn't i, I realized i'm not going to win i'm not going to make my time up on the hills themselves and so I actually got to the top. It was the same space uh, right around Boston College, uh, same area where I saw my family last year. They were there, there again this year. Saw them and the combination of just feeling so good still at that point and seeing them, I was like, I, I got this. Like it was, it was the biggest confidence boost of any race I've done in any, at any point. Just feeling like I've got energy. I can go. Just saw the family like, I don't have that much farther. It was that that was like that was the peak. 
Very cool. Really, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I'm glad. And and I think that's an important distinction too. I I like how you said you charged the hills, but you didn't attack the hills, right? Um, And and I think that's actually a really good mantra or a good mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, for people when when they are getting into those hills after the 16 mile mark before the 21 mile mark that mm-hmm. that you don't want to attack them you want to just take them in stride you want to charge the hill sure yeah um so very good very good and then you said that that one of the things that caught you off guard last year the first time you did it was that there were some rollers in the last 10k mm-hmm. um did those catch you off guard? Those obviously didn't catch you off guard this time, but did you take yeah. those more in stride as well? Like how, how do those feel different? <laughs> they seemed a lot smaller. This year. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in a much better, I was in a much better position this year. And uh, yeah, the finish was, that was just like, really, honestly, the last, those last few miles were just exciting because I, because I felt good. I, yeah. I, I've been really hesitant because just knowing that I really struggled the last mile uh, or two last year, um, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to enjoy the finish. I think we even talked about that um, last time. And I had energy and I knew I was going to be able to to really push that last little bit. So that was exciting. So those, yeah, they, they literally didn't seem nearly as, as challenging this year. There's also a moment probably two miles out where um, you're back, you're kind of in the cities, a good crowd at this point, like it's pretty, pretty thick through there. Was, the train lines running like right, you know, just on your left side. And it had not been raining for most of the race. It rained right at the start and then like a little bit of drizzle throughout. But then all of a sudden it just opened up. Hmm. I was feeling so good at that point. It was like another boost. And the crowd just started going crazy because it was one of those like gusher downpour things. I can see that. It it was just a really, it was a neat moment. Like all the umbrellas came up and people saw that we were getting soaked. And the runners around me got excited too. We're all like doing this. That's very cool. That's very cool. So yeah, it's it's almost it's sort of like this badass moment. It's it's yeah. like you know, like running gets got? back to its back back to its primal roots here. You know, I mean, yeah, it's super cool. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even really articulate that feeling, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so very cool. Well, that and and that was a question I had was about the weather. And so you yeah. had you had a slight headwind, um, hmm. um, and then I was going to ask you if it ever just outright rained on you because it kind of looked drizzly but it was hard to tell whether it was like just there were some people who clearly just got poured on just got dumped rain on at various times um but then like the leaders because i was watching the race coverage on television they never got just poured on right yeah i think if 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 you did at least the time when i was running it was kind of a little squall we we had some light rain at the start and then really it didn't seem like it was raining. I mean, it was, it was very wet and it was hard to tell what was spray and what was rain, but it was, it, it wasn't enough to be able to tell the difference really um, until that moment that I just mm-hmm. mentioned where it really just opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, for me, it wasn't much of an issue until, well, two things, I guess. Um, after the finish, before I had a chance to get dry, starting to get cold, it opened mm-hmm. up for several minutes and that, mm-hmm. that was miserable. But at that point it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. It was funny too. Uh, Michelle had mentioned, I think Deslin and trying out her shoes on the painted um, mm-hmm. parts of the street. I, mm-hmm. I didn't do that pre-race, but I had that in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something I was cognizant of and tried to avoid a lot of those painted strips because yeah. they were a little slicker. Um, mm-hmm. But I felt like I had good traction in the wet. And again, it wasn't so rainy that it impacted much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that, if there was much of a headwind when I was running it, 
there, I don't remember a time where I noticed that it, it cool. really wasn't anything Perfect. had an impact. Yeah, so that was very that was good. A plus. Well, so and and you remember one of the uh, one of the this or that questions or the only real this or that question I asked you uh, would you rather question I asked you was wind or rain and you said you'd much rather have rain and you had it um, but yeah. but if anything it actually sounds like the rain was a performance booster yeah for sure for sure very good very good um, how you feeling post-race like were you sore were you beaten up like, like, actually, I guess there's two ways to ask, answer that question. One was immediately post-race and one would be a few days later. So let's, let's go immediately post-race. So yeah. Eric asked you, um, and, and we kind of, kind of joked about this question a little bit, like how much, how deep were you going to go and, and what was your family going to see and when you were going to be able to walk and all that sort of thing. So I guess the question is, did you freak your family out by puking all over yourself and being unable to walk for several minutes or not? And this is actually a really good question because I already know the answer to this question because <laughs> I spoke to your wife earlier today. So yeah. I want to hear it from your perspective, though. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think I freaked her out. I, I, by the time she saw me, I was starting to get pretty cold. So that okay. may have been uh, a little bit different. But no, at, immediately after, again, I remember last year, like being to hold on to the railing for a minute and being told I need to keep moving because there are other runners finishing. Um but no, this year I, I I felt good. I think one thing I didn't touch on earlier too was um, I think I fueled a lot a lot better. Um, I was able to get in mm. uh, probably two, maybe even three more gels than what I did last year. I don't remember right. exactly what I fueled my fueling plan was last year, but I, I definitely got in more. I got in more than actually I had one more gel than I had even planned on, um, and a lot more uh, like Gatorade on on course than I than I anticipated using. I think that helped a lot having having some energy at the end. Um, so yeah, no, I felt I felt felt pretty good at the finish. Um, and sore, you know, oh, you know, that's not necessarily the next day, but it's that that day after the next mm -hmm. day where it kind of hits. But just the big muscle groups, nothing nothing twin, uh, you know, twingy or weird or or injured. Um, sure. you know, like, I, I'm like icing my shin right now. I think I did something at the gym yesterday. <laughs> so that's, 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 a that's okay it, it, it doesn't yeah. matter the race was eight days ago you're good exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah it was, it was a good it was a good uh recovery as well so eric what was uh james's wife's perspective on him post-race uh she's so one the first thing she pointed out was if you see any of the pictures at the end of the race and you and you saw the way he looked at the end of last year's race he is a totally different man and he's smiling, pumping his arms, and she sent me one. And yeah, it's 100% true. Like it's, it wasn't just, I finished Boston. It's, I finished Boston over three and a half minutes faster than I ran it the year before. And I know it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and he, so he was super excited, but she also said when the deluge happened, you, they were underground because they were mm -hmm. um, getting there via the subway. Uh, he actually beat them to the finish. I think they beat you to the finish last year. Yeah. Um, but he beat them to the finish. And then she said that when you guys, when she finally saw you, like you looked freezing, mm -hmm. you looked like, you know, your, your body was finally revolting. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> what have you done to me? You know? And then she said, she said it was, I think she, I'll just say it this way. She said it was emotional. Like it all kind of hit you 
like at that moment when you saw them and there's something about a sandwich. I think it was, the key was like the sandwich she yeah. had for you. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a complicated story from last year, but there was, a, there was much ado about sandwiches last year and we wanted to make sure we had a sandwich this year as, as well. Um, she's, she's, she's become fast friends with a, a guy that owns a deli around Boston College. But, but yeah, it was it was emotional. It was, it was funny because I actually had that same emotional on course. That, that moment I mentioned after I saw them and, and after you know, the mile 21 and kind of knowing without doing it that I'm going to finish. I don't know what the time is going to be, but I know I'm going to finish well. Yeah. And I'm going to finish strong. Um, that kind of coupled with your family and, and, and then seeing them to finish again. It was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a, a positive emotion, but a, a strong one. So mm -hmm. I'm sure there's all kinds of endorphins and chemicals flowing around your body at that point too. So for sure. For sure. So if I had, you know, I kind of side-by-sided your two efforts from last year and this year, and, you know, we talked about it and you finished last year and it wasn't a bad finish. You still broke three hours. Yeah. Um, but you know, you look at your pace over the course and you were struggling at the end, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. you, you were, and you admittedly, you, you had talked about the pain and, you know, trying to get across the line. And, you know, I think there was a little bit of, I didn't, I didn't do as well as maybe I thought I could this year, your negative split, almost your entire PR was in your last six miles. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, you came over the top, of uh heartbreak hill right and you just turned it on mm. <laughs> you ran your fastest six miles or what is it like from mile 21 to the finish or i guess it's 22 to the finish every mm. one of those miles was faster than any other mile in the race right. and you know when you talk about finishing a race and feeling good about it sometimes there's oh man i had more in the tank but I don't think that was the case here. I think you prepared yourself well to be able to uh, not attack. You know, we talked about not attacking the hill, but drive up the hill and then just pour on the coals to the finish. I mean, is that kind of how you think of this? Or do you think, hey, maybe I could have taken a few more seconds off? I think So a couple of things. I think I, think I ran smarter. I was more patient, which helped both physiologically and mentally. Um, I feel better. So I think both of those things, you know, physically allowed me to finish strong. Um, but it does beg the question, like, I have to have had more in the tank, right? If I can finish in the last mile as my fastest one, that means I had more there. That's right? the competitor. That's how yeah. we all think like, of it. I can it, always it, go faster. It, there, there's no way it's, that's not true. I was able to walk afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So we talked about didn't that. You, didn't you just say that you were reading, uh, read it, reading endure, right? yeah, endure. And so, yeah. so the, the, literally the opening story in that entire book is that the closest ever marathon Olympic marathon finish, which was in 1996 here in, in, in Atlanta, like all three guys are doing a victory lap together afterwards. And he's like, how are y'all able to run afterwards? If it was that close, <laughs> like if you're still able to take a victory lap, second place guy, why didn't you finish why, first? Um, that? exactly. Because that's not how it works, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so, so tell me this, I'm, I'm curious. And, and um, the answer is all of the above, but, but I want to know kind of the balances. And so from what I hear you saying, I mean, this was a better race where you finished stronger and, mm -hmm. and the biggest differences were one, your execution of the race. 
and, and and that would be both your physical and your mental execution of the race, I feel like. And and, and those two things are certainly linked. Two, you mentioned that you fueled better this time, um, yeah. which, which I think is important as well. And then three, and this is something you haven't talked about yet, but but also your training was more solid coming into this. We talked about that during the the, the pre-race uh, conversation, that, that it had been less disrupted, it had been more consistent over time. And so like of all of those three things, the execution of the race, um, both your physical and your mental execution, your fueling of the race uh, and your training leading in, which of those do you think contributed most directly or most heavily to your having such a satisfactory race? Yeah, that's that's a tough question because I think. Um, or is there even some other factor I'm not even thinking of? <laughs> yeah, no, I think those are those are those are three good buckets in which to put it. I I, I think it's um, if, if I had to nail down one, I would say probably the the training and the preparation, and I say that only because um, this was preceded by um, a really good half marathon a few weeks ago. Uh, I, what I felt like was a good um, longer race in January, um, uh, you know, the Richmond um, run in November. So like I've, I've had this series of good, of good, of good performances, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and so I think the, the training is sort of the consistent piece within those. Um, but that said, I think I was able to access that training better mm. by being more familiar with the course and, and, and running smarter and more patient and, and fueling. That, that's the best of fueled a marathon as well. Um, and so I think I was able to access more of it um, because of that execution, if that makes right. sense. So I think makes that perfect sense, without, yeah. without the yeah. training, I would, it wouldn't have been. If James from last year with the same pacing would not have had this result, I guess is the way I would, yeah. I would right? I could I could have executed the same, but if I was in the same shape as last year, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had this time. Mm -hmm. I really like that response because you know people people who I don't coach don't know how I coach. But there's three things about that that I think are really important. The races that James mentioned, you know, he picked those races and we worked them into the plan at the right time. I didn't say, oh, you should go run the Raleigh half. That's just not how I coach. Like we coach to the event, you know, getting to Boston and then he picks the races he wants to do, but he picked three races that really prepared him for this. I think the half, Uwari and Richmond were perfect races to get you ready for this. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving him the groundwork, but he's doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second one, or the, I guess, you know, the second one is the fueling. I don't talk about fueling at all. We usually talk about fueling like the week before the race, right, James? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't talk about fueling on training. I don't. It's just not something that I'm used to. You know, like I'm not a marathoner, so I, I don't really think about that. I get input from George sometimes, and I'm I kind of regurgitate that. So I just kind of steal your stuff, George. <laughs> well, George, but I do tell James this is what George said. I'll like literally take a screenshot of your of the picture you sent me and send it to James and say, well, this is what George said. So I don't take credit for it. But, but so I, I think, you know, one, I think we, James, got better at like what you can handle and then uh, kept you healthy. So that'd be like the third piece, but mm -hmm. that's really the only piece that I have anything to do with mm -hmm. those other two things about choosing the races and race execution, and then figuring out your fueling and executing that fueling. And, you know, if there's anything I said about James in the, the first one, and I say it to everybody who listens to me, execution, 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 he's very detailed 
And if I tell him to do something, he just goes and does it mm -hmm. right now. He'll come back and say that didn't feel good, or maybe we should adjust this, or what do you think about this? But, you know, I think this comes down to this is a, you know, George, I've made the mistake of saying this, like, I like the simplicity of running and you jump all over that. Like, no, running's not simple <laughs> and it's not. And I, I love the, like, how to figure it out, how to make it happen. And I think James is a good example of someone who's got the details, figures it out. He, he coaches himself. And this result, I, I was blown away when I saw your, your Strava on those last uh, the miles 22 to the finish. I was absolutely blown away. And the name of your, your Strava post, you know, what was it? Let's go with, or let's go with plan a time yeah. to push. It was, uh, what's the, the F1. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's, you, you just did it. You, you executed perfectly. I'm not sure that you could have shaved off another 30 seconds, maybe. And I don't think it matters. Yeah, you came not, across the finish line not, feeling good, right? Disappointed in that, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I and I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one because I I don't think you're done. I think we've still got you know there's more in the tank down the road. So yeah. very good. His uh, his Strava activity was named uh, "We are go for Plan A. Let's push." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, drive to survive. That's the, I was blanking. There it is. Yeah, it's that's, from Drive to Survive. That's, that's what they, uh, they go for when things are working. <laughs> right on, right on. Very good. Um, so I have a couple more questions and Eric might have some for you as well. My first question is, it was a family trip. We talked about that, yeah. um, uh, that y'all were going to go to a baseball game and all that sort of thing. Uh, did you have a good family trip? Yeah, we had a good time. We uh, we stayed right by Fenway, which in, in retrospect is very crowded during the weekend of the Boston Marathon mm. because they do a homestand. And so mm -hmm. there were lots of people. Uh, yeah, we got to get to see the, the Sox play, and um, it was good weather for that. We had, had good seats, and the kids enjoyed that. Uh, went to the Natural Science Museum, cool. had some good food, and yeah, it was uh, it was a fun time. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Very good, very good. Yeah, you mentioned before that that it was like record highs. It was 91 degrees in Hopkinton on Friday before yeah. the, the cold front rolled in, and so that cold front rolled in just in time for you, man. Very good. Um, and then my other question is, I mean, what's next, James? Um, looking at your Strava, you haven't done a whole lot since then, which is good, which yeah. I think is the right thing to do. <laughs> You've definitely been recovering, which is which which is not only is a good thing generally, but it also suggests that maybe you're gathering things back up in order to make another big run some other place. What's next? Yeah, honestly, George, there's, there's nothing on the calendar right now. And I'm, I'm waffling. Christy's probably going to listen to this at some point. I, I'm, I'm considering <laughs> dipping my toe into the, the longer ultra race scene. I, I really enjoyed preparing for that URA race and getting on the trails and, and kind of um, maybe doing something a little different. I, I tried to get into, um, into New York this year. Mm -hmm. um, by the time I thought about it, Chicago was already closed. I didn't get into New York. Um, I think at some point I'd like to do those other two U.S. majors. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that's going to be this year. And I, I'm not sure that I've got the, the time or the commitment to do the, the volunteer entry. But um, I think those are maybe down the road. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure yet. Right now I'm, I'm, i gotta, I got to figure that out. I do better with something on the horizon. Um, I, I, that, definitely, that definitely helps me. But, yeah, nothing, nothing on the calendar yet. All right. Very good. Very good. So, so you may need to work some magic with Christy and, and letting me do a, an ultra. There's no magic 
being worked with Christy. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> so you know you know what you would tell her or and and you're welcome to plagiarize me with this too, Eric, is to say, well, training for a 50 is basically the same as training for a marathon. You you, you right. have to add a couple longer runs in there, but for the most part, the day-to-day, week-to-week training is about the same. She walked by my office today and said, in this in in Christy way, she said, 50 miles a week, huh? Yeah. 50 miles a week. <laughs> I know what that means. I know exactly what that means. Very um, good. Very so, good. So we we like to ask a question to most of our guests and I'm going to I'm going to change it a little bit. It's like what's your what's your favorite workout? And but I'd like to change it a little bit and say in the build in the training that we did what was your favorite either or, or or the one that prepared you the best or what you know what or what style of training prepared you the best mm-hmm. or what phase of the training maybe prepared you the best for this effort at Boston or, or can you you know can you figure out that so as far as like workouts and that sort of thing i, I think a, a couple of things were helpful um one i think doing more strides at the end of some of these runs and just really getting some of that um i don't know like neuromuscular work in Mm -hmm. um and getting that form down a little bit better i think that was helpful um in in terms of just making those workouts more efficient and 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 just i I don't know that, that seemed to be some um some icing on the cake that maybe wasn't as as I wasn't as consistent with maybe we didn't it seemed like we did that more frequently this this build um i think that helped um and then some of those like over speed long kind of mid midweek long runs where we're building we're building in some of like a little bit faster than the marathon paced work um where i was really working hard for um i don't know like a mile two miles that sort of thing that i think that really helped the, the marathon pace feel very comfortable. So yep. that, that first 16 miles, um, it, it wasn't a challenge. I wasn't pushing or stressed to keep the pace because that was, it just wasn't as hard as it, it might've been if we hadn't done that work. That'd be my guess. I'm actually interested in your thought on there because you, you designed it. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, let me just tell you why I like hearing that is one is, when you mention the strides, which nobody likes doing strides, right? Um, strides or pickups or anything like that. I, I don't think it's like the top of anybody's list. Maybe they people enjoy it because they like going fast, but and and it's like the easiest thing to forget. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but you like when, immediately, you, when you're done with your run, you want to be done. Yeah, you want to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I intentionally don't do strides typically because I, I won't do them. I, I make a pickups during the run, you know, just because I, I yeah. can't mentally. And I think George does the same, honestly. <laughs> I do. No, I, I, I work them into the last mile. Yeah. So and, and I picked that up from George. I stole that from George, too. Right, that's good to hear because I cheated yeah. some days and did that. And I was like, I'm yeah. not I'm supposed to I do see it. <laughs> yeah. The, the, on, the only thing you have to do if you're going to do that is you have to actually really do the strides yeah. as opposed. Yeah. So like if your stride pace is normally five minutes per mile, roughly, you can't you can't work them in as pickups at 540. Right. You have to yeah. actually really do a stride. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so that means that your last mile is just a mess in terms of your your speed. Yeah. Um, but that's OK. It's better than so I like, strides. 
<laughs> I like hearing that you did that, but you immediately followed it up with why we do strides, mm -hmm. right? You said it was about efficiency. It's about the muscle memory, you know, and hearing a runner feedback like, oh, I did this and I understand why I'm doing it. And then I see the benefit of it. That's that's cool to me. And I, it comes down to the type of runner you are. You're an educator. So you're always like, okay, why am I doing this, Eric? You know, and I try to tell you that, but you actually like took it in and then applied it. So I, I think we did a better job. And I say, we, me getting it in there in the training plan and then you executing it. You know, that's like the word of the day with James is execution. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the second part is also important because uh, the build to Boston last year, we were, we were working on, getting your brain locked into what marathon pace was, what we wanted marathon pace to be. And I think we did less of the overspeed stuff. Mm -hmm. We did less of that. So then when you went out at Boston last year, it was, I'm going to hit my marathon pace and then I'm going to stick to that marathon pace. Yep. And I think that started to hurt as you got through mile 15, 16, 17, 18, and you can see it, right? Whereas getting that overspeed stuff in um, really, trained not just your mental state of this is easier, but it also trained your body to deal with that so that when you ramped it down just a little bit down to that marathon pace, which we, we fit a bunch of marathon pace stuff in there too. But when you got down to that marathon pace, it was comfortable. Yeah. And I think, so I think we, we intentionally built those two things into the plan this year. And I think that, I think that paid off. There's yeah. a, there's a well-known coach that calls that your speed reserve. It says you need to do things at faster than marathon pace in order to make marathon pace feel easy. Mm -hmm. um, he calls that building your speed reserve. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think there's something to that for sure. For sure. I think it's I think both a mental even, and a physical. Yeah, I well, agree. Even, I think some of the runs toward the end, I mean, we were getting close to marathon pace or I was around there, even on some of like the off miles or off minutes or whatever where I was, that was kind of almost the recovery the was recovery it, pace was a marathon pace so that made marathon yeah marathon pace feel a lot a lot easier so yeah when uh when when we were texting with michelle immediately prior to coming on with you here james uh eric said that he was going to ask you what your favorite workout was in the lead up and michelle mm -hmm. jokingly wrote back uh that you were going to say that it was uh six by four minutes uh, at marathon pace and two minutes at 10 K pace, um, which is a, a workout that I've given her more than once and that she hates, but it's a really good workout. They're 36 minutes alternating in between marathon pace and 10 K pace. It's, it's, yeah. it's a good solid, but not easy workout for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, very good. Very good. Uh, well, James, congratulations, man. Uh, I'm excited for you. It was fun tracking you and we appreciate you coming on the podcast and telling us all about it. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been fun. I appreciate it. And James, I'm just I'm impressed with the execution. I'm impressed with how you handle this, having two young kids and a wife and just all the other stuff that you guys do. I think it's a testament to the fact that you don't have to dedicate your life to a marathon to perform well and extremely well. In this case, um, you just have to have a plan and you have to work it and and have a supportive family. I was going <laughs> to say, I, I appreciate that. And also, it's, it's, it's also, I mean, obviously, I don't. I don't I'm not in this place. I can't, I can't celebrate like I did without, um, you know, your support and, and their support as well. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I appreciate yeah. it. 
and I'm looking forward to where, where, where it goes from here. So, Me too. Yeah. I can't see, I can't wait to see what we put on the calendar. So I think what I think I heard was he wants to run a hundred mile or George. That's what you heard too, right? I, I, I think I did hear that. Yeah. Okay. I did, look, I've been on ultra sign up. I've been checking them out. Man. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Thanks again, James. Yeah, man. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at Elemental Altitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Elemental Altitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.